Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Fraternities and sororities offer fellowship, networking, and service opportunities for millions of students. They're also a chance for Native students to share cultural connections with one another. Those who seek out Greek life say they forge connections that support them through college and throughout their careers. As many students start their next semester, we'll look at how Native fraternities and sororities play a role in academics and beyond. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. After a powerful typhoon slammed into Alaska's west coast in September, the Federal Emergency Management Agency tried to offer information about how to apply for disaster recovery assistance in two Alaska Native languages. But as Emily Schwing reports, those translations were not useful to any Indigenous language speakers in the state. Dozens of Alaska Native villages along the state's west coast were hit hard by Typhoon Murbach, so FEMA hired a California-based company to translate press releases and documents about how to apply for disaster recovery funds into Yupik. The agency also asked for Inupiaq translations. Tom Kempton is a FEMA spokesperson. And it wasn't until, you know, we started doing some of those translations that I don't speak, you know, Yupik. The, what we were seeing coming back, I mean, when I first saw the Inupiat ones, I was like, what is this? <laughs> it was all like hieroglyphic. Indigenous language speakers across Alaska didn't recognize the languages. Linguist Gary Holton spent 20 years at the University of Alaska Fairbanks Alaska Native Language Center. He says someone lifted full phrases from an 80-year-old compilation of folklore and language that was printed in the Soviet Union. Can you maybe imagine if someone, you know, took all of your uh, your folk tales and then interviewed your great grandmother about um, her experiences growing up and had all of this information recorded and wrote it down and then scrambled it and stuck it in various different ways it would, and made kind of a collage out of it. It's it's kind of yeah, it's it's it, it's offensive. That's egregious. Tara Sweeney is the former Assistant Secretary of Indian Affairs under the Trump administration. She calls the work a waste of federal funds. I'm absolutely speechless. I I cannot believe that a contractor would put something like this together for the federal government uh, and that there is no verification of whether this is accurate. And that the federal government would actually issue this as a work product of their own. According to FEMA, the agency paid $27,800 to California-based company Accent on Languages. The work was supposed to help fluent indigenous speakers apply for financial assistance following Typhoon Murbach. In Bethel, I'm Emily Schwing. A Canadian woman has decided to have her trial heard by a judge. Dawn Walker is accused of abducting her child and having their deaths faked. She's facing a number of charges. Dan Karpinchuk has more. Walker and her seven-year-old son were reported missing in July. After a search of two weeks, they were found safe in Oregon. That after she illegally crossed the border into the U.S. 
Authorities there have also brought charges against her. She was returned to Saskatoon in August and has waived her right to jury trial and elected to have her case heard by a judge. Ari Goldkind is a criminal defense lawyer. He says going before a judge alone is a tactical decision. When you have all of the things that a jury will hear this woman allegedly did, the list, that may be something that a jury may really, really dislike, particularly, is there a divorce dad or two on that jury? Walker is a longtime employee of the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, where she serves as CEO. A U.S. official also alleges Walker stole the identity of a close friend to open a bank account as part of an abduction plan. Walker is also believed to have been in a custody battle with her son's father. Her trial dates will likely be set this week. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. The Indian Loan Guarantee and Insurance Program has worked with lenders for almost 50 years, supporting them as they support you. Need startup funds or a refinance? Information at bia.gov DCI, which supports this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Social connections and career networking are two of the top reasons college students seek out fraternities and sororities. Greek Life supporters also say they offer mentorship, academic support, lifelong friendships, and opportunities to serve their communities. Native fraternities and sororities began in the mid-1990s and also offer a chance for Native students to connect with each other and draw support from shared cultural values. Today we'll hear about how those social and professional connections might help Native students. You can join us. Are you a member of a fraternity or sorority? How did your involvement affect your college life experience? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848, or just 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our phone lines are open now, so we're waiting for your call. Joining us first from Owings Mills, Maryland, is Mardella Richardson. She's the national president of Alpha Pi Omega. She's a member of the Lumbee Tribe of North Carolina. Mardella, welcome to Native America Calling. Hi, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you on the show, Mardella. Is Alpha Pi Omega the first Native sorority in existence? Yes, we are the nation's oldest Native American sorority. We were founded in 1994 at UNC Chapel Hill. And who started the sorority? So we have four women who came together, Shannon, Jamie, Christy, and Amy. They found themselves away from their tribal community for the first time and needed a sense of connection. Um, And they looked at other organizations on campus, other Greek organizations, but just didn't find anything that felt culturally relevant to them. And so uh, that they came together and started Alpha Pi Omega. So started with four four sisters there at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and how large is the sorority now? How many chapters? About how many members? 
Oh, wow. So we have uh, 937 initiated sisters representing over 130 tribes, bands, pueblos, and indigenous communities. Um, and we have uh, 24 chapters, which include undergraduate chapters as well as professional chapters. Um, and, and we also have a new provisional chapter, professional provisional chapter out in Minneapolis, St. Paul um, as well. Congratulations on that growth and success. So tell our listeners, what's it like for a, a sorority member, typical activities, events? Uh, how does it enhance their college experience? Sure, yes. Yeah. So as an undergrad, you uh, become a part of the sisterhood and you do have op uh, obligations such as having chapter meetings. Uh, we're very big on promoting education and community service. So each chapter and each sister is required to do a number of um, community service act hours each month, as well as report on um, that they have community service, um, study hall hours that they're doing to ensure that their grades are staying up. Um, you know, they also will become a part of the Greek life on their campus, which includes different multicultural events and sharing their culture. Um, you know, it just it gives you a sense of community, especially when you find yourself a minority among the minorities on a college campus. Um, and that even transitions now into our professional chapters, where we see uh, professional Indigenous women coming together for a sense of connection, for networking, and just for general engagement. Mardella, over the years, both fraternities and sororities have been scrutinized. Um, there's this reputation that there's a lot of partying that goes on there uh, in the fraternity and sorority houses and, and some of the, the hazing stories that we've heard over the years. Are, is any of that part of Alpha Pi Omega? No, we are strongly against hazing. Um, you know, we are a dry organization, and, and we've done that because of the implications of, um, you know, alcoholism in Indian country and also the stereotype of the drunk Indian. We want to make sure that we have a safe environment for our Indigenous women to come together and to grow. Uh, we believe that Pi women aren't made, they're born, so we don't break anybody down to build them back up. And um, a part of our new member process you know, is about helping women become the better versions of themselves and kind of polish themselves off. So we are all about self-improvement and self-growth um, through, you know, cultural awareness and community service versus trying to berate or belittle someone. It's really good to hear that. Really inspiring. Well, tell us more about how you recruit members, uh, incoming freshmen, underclass people there on the various campuses where you have chapters. Sure. So all of the organizations on university campuses usually are set up, have tables set up at welcome events for new students or back to school events for returning students. Uh, we also host um, interest meetings. So those can be, you know, formal where you're learning specifically about the organization or maybe you're just meeting the students. Um, maybe there's a bowling alley on campus and you're just gathering for fellowships. Um, to meet the members on your campus there. So there's a number of different ways, um, especially, you know, we have the, the privilege and the honor of having um, Indigenous, uh, Native American or Indigenous Heritage Month, whichever part of the country you're located in, um, in November. And so that gives us an opportunity as well to have a lot of events go on um, across college campuses in the month of November. Mardella, is it hard to recruit Native students? I'm looking at the Alpha Pi Omega website right now, and I do notice 
that there are uh, a fair number of inactive undergraduate chapters. University of New Mexico shows inactive. Dartmouth shows inactive. Haskell shows inactive. What's yeah. going on there? So we do have some requirements. Like we have a requirement that a chapter has to have at least four active members um, in order for it to stay active. And we do offer grace periods. So say you have three members, you get a grace period that year, and then the following year, you know, hopefully you've done some recruitment and brought in some new members. Um, sometimes, you know, things happen on college campuses. A lot of our students are still first-generation college students. Uh, we don't have a high membership fee, but, you know, finances can come into play. Also, um, our students do face other responsibilities outside of campus life. You know, some of our students are non-traditional students, and they have families and children or they're just taking on additional responsibilities at home. Um, and so, you know, any number of things can happen. And when you look at Dartmouth, you have our Native students who are going to a remote location away from their home. And so, you know, that also implicates into, you know, Dartmouth's recruitment and, you know, how we are able to stay there. So there's different things. We also have to adhere to university policies um, and requirements that they have in regards to the number of members on a college campus and GPAs and things of that nature. Another common perception of, of sorority, Greek life in general, are the, the sorority homes that uh, the members will live in. But I understand not all sororities or fraternities actually have homes or, or buildings on campus. Do, do these various chapters of Alpha Pi Omega, do they also have buildings on campus where, where the members live? No, we do not have sorority housing. Um, and so kind of the benefit to that is that it doesn't require our members to be financially obligated to pay into these housing fees. Um, you know, we also are just a smaller organization, Nine, over 900 sisters, that sounds large, but when you look at some of the other Greek organizations that have been around for 100 plus years, our numbers are small in comparison. Um, and that also contributes into the financial status of our organization. You know, they have a lot of alumni and a lot of money that trickles in to, to provide housing, also provide that upkeep. Again, we have a lot of non-traditional and a lot of traditional students. So if you're not able to live on campus and you're a commuting student, you know, you can still be a part of our organization and be a part of our chapters and still participate. Nothing's going to prohibit you there. Uh, we've had a lot of non-traditional sisters who, when I say that, is that they're coming to college not directly from high school, um, and they have children and they have, you know, partners. And so they're able to still participate and bring their families along to activities at the sorority hosting. Mardella, when you were an undergrad student at the University of North Carolina, what was the perception uh, with the other Greek sororities and, and fraternities on campus with regard to Alpha Pi Omega? Did they accept you folks and were you warmly welcomed? Oh, yeah. So I, I went to the University of North Carolina at Pembroke, which is in the UNC system. Um, and UNCP is in a unique situation because it's based in the Lumbee community. Um, so, you know, for a lot of the other students coming into the area, it was their first time being in a, in a tribal community and being around Indigenous students. So those students were very open and receptive and welcoming and eager to learn. Um, unfortunately, they all had the same public school education, and so a lot of people thought Indigenous people were a thing of the past. And, you know, to show them that we're still here and to have students who were open and receptive to education was a beautiful thing. I mean, 
there were a couple of instances that I had to face, um, you know, just some discrimination from um, male counterparts in regards to, you know, uh, war cries or being called a squaw. But, you know, through the support of my sisters and the university and also the faculty, and we were able to overcome those, those matters. Well, it's, it's great to hear that you were over to, able to overcome those issues, and but it's really unfortunate to hear that. Have you heard of similar stories at some of the other chapters around the country of, of racist acts like that? I haven't. Um, to date, our chapters haven't shared that with us, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that they're, they've faced just because, again, we continue to live in, in a world where our public education system is vastly underdeveloped, and so we have students coming into a college environment thinking that Native people are, in fact, extinct. Um, so there's a learning curve that, you know, all students face when it comes to cultural awareness. We are speaking with Mardella Richardson, National President of Alpha Pi Omega, the first Native American sorority in the United States. And we are going to have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mardella. We're also going to talk with another member of Alpha Pi Omega. Her name is Destiny Hudson, and she's in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. She's with the Theta chapter there of Alpha Pi Omega. Anybody that's interested in Greek life, if you were part of Greek life when you were in school, or maybe you weren't part of it, but you just were kind of curious what it was all about, now's a great time to call our show, ask one of our guests a question. The number 1-800-996-2848. We'll be right back. Artwork is so important for Native artists, it's protected by federal law. But many times, Native artists don't benefit as their previous work increases in value. What if artists held rights to their work on into the future? Some places are experimenting with the idea. We'll hear about protecting the value of Native artwork on the next Native America Calling. My precious relatives, don't miss your Medicaid renewal letter. Make sure you get this renewal letter so that you're not left out in the cold. Check that your local Indian healthcare provider or state Medicaid office has your current mailing address. For more information, talk to your local healthcare provider or visit medicaid.gov unwinding, a message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about Greek life today. If you were in a fraternity or a sorority in college, you know what that means. Or if you're still an active member, you might still be involved. Give us a call. Tell us how these groups enhanced your college experience. We're at 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Mardella, before we introduce your Alpha Pi Omega sister, Destiny, I want to ask you about some of the professional opportunities and, and how those chapters work for Alpha Pi Omega for sisters after they get their undergrad degrees? Sure, yeah, we have um, a lot of great women who are still active in the organization, including my myself and my fellow board members. And so we're able to come together, um, if you're a part of a chapter, or even if you're just an active member, we have opportunities um, for uh, professional and networking engagements, 
Um, but it also provides, again, when we have Indigenous women working typically in our communities, um, you know, it just provides a, a network and a support system so that you can also um, not feel alone, if, especially if you're in an urban area, maybe away from your tribal community. Um, it also provides an opportunity for mentorship to the undergraduate sisters. And again, we also work very heavily with community service in our local areas. So if we are based in the tribal community, we're giving back to our tribal community. And if we're not, then we're finding another way to give to the community we're located in. Mardella, thank you for all that information about Alpha Pi Omega. Listeners, 1-800-996-2848. That's our number if you have a question for Mardella about Alpha Pi Omega. Joining us now from Tahlequah, Oklahoma, is Destiny Hudson. She's the vice president and historian of the Theta chapter of Alpha Pi Omega at Northeastern State University. She's Cheyenne Arapaho. Welcome to Native America Calling, Des. Hi. Um, I'm great to be here. Des, it's great to have you. And I've got to ask you, I've been, been dying to ask this question. Can you please <laughs> recite the entire Greek alphabet? Because I sure can't. Um, do you want me to recite it or sing it? Hey, I, I, please <laughs> sing it. That'd be even better. Uh, um, so the song we learned goes um, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, Kappa, Lambda, Mu, Nu, Psi, Omicron, Pyro, Sigma, Tau, Epsilon, Phi, Chi, Psi, and Omega, too. And they do a woo at the end. <laughs> that is awesome. I know alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and then I just kind of just kind of throw a few letters in here. And I know omega at the end. And then there's a bunch of holes there for me. So really appreciate the clarification. Well, Des, tell us more. What what prompted you to join a sorority there on campus? Um, so I um, am huge into community. And so I knew that um, a sorority was going to be something that I was going to seek out whenever I, I eventually went to college. Um, and whenever I got to college, I really quickly got involved with like um, other Native American student organizations. Um, and I then discovered that there were Native American sororities. Um, and so it just offered this really unique opportunity to find sisterhood with women who centered like my cultural and traditional beliefs and that held like the same values that me and my family held outside of the additional values that the sorority instilled in us. We all had like that shared connection of being Native American women in higher education outside of just being in a sorority. Now there at the Theta chapter at Northeastern State University, you talk about culture and in native heritage and things like that do you have actual activities and events that are are just designed around native culture um yeah so i northeastern is actually um in the capital of the united Kutua band of cherokee uh, indians and the cherokee nation um so we have um ample opportunity to get out and be involved with those communities um we help put on um, the Symposium of the American Indian every year, um, which is this big event where we um, host um, educators to present about different topics facing uh, that Indian country are facing, and we put on a powwow. Um, and then we do things like feeding workshops and moccasin workshops and things throughout the school year um, to really kind of share our culture as much as we can. How many members does the Theta Chapter have? Um, so Theta Chapter right now, I believe, has seven active members, um, and we are about to host a new process, um, and we're hoping to 
fingers crossed, double that um, this coming semester, but it's all hopeful right now. And are most of the members uh, Cherokee Nation or United Kutua Cherokee members? Um, actually, I don't think so. I think only about half of our sisters right now are um, belong to a Cherokee tribe, um, and the other half, I know that we have um, some Cayuga representation. I'm Cheyenne Arapaho. We have some Choctaw, um, some Seminole. Um, we have a good mix for being where we are. Well, does the social benefits like Mardella described, and, and you talked more about some of the cultural and traditional elements, that all sounds wonderful, but but how else does the sorority help you? I'm thinking about your academics and just the, the overall college experience. Um, so something that I have really valued in the sorority is um, whenever Native students go to university, they tend to pick... Um, Native-centered majors, and so that means we end up in a lot of classes where we're getting kind of a sugar-coated version of um, Indigenous histories, Um, and so I know a lot of us struggle with, like, this idea that these things that we're learning about in class happen to our families, um, and that makes going to class sometimes really hard, and so being able to come back and have, like, a group of women um, who share that experience of, like, yeah, it is hard to, like, learn, like, all the things that our family members went through that, you know, our parents or our grandparents or our aunt uncles um, survived and being able to have a place like decompress that emotional aspect of being an Indigenous student in college um, is a really unique um, benefit to being in a sorority that I didn't expect. It's really, really fascinating to hear that experience. And I'm sitting here thinking of, of listeners that might be college students themselves. Um, maybe they've never thought of being in a, in a sorority, though, especially not a native sorority such as Alpha Pi Omega. Would you recommend uh, any other native women listening to the show right now who might be college students to, to reach out to a, to a sorority such as Alpha Pi Omega? Absolutely. Um, I think that it gives us a space to really focus on our academics and empowers us to like be successful um, as we return back to our communities with our education. Um, and so I am constantly plugging Alpha Pi Omega. Um, I know my fellow sisters are constantly plugging Alpha Pi Omega. And even if, you know, maybe we're not the organization for some women, there is going to be community, whether they choose to join us as sisters or if they just want to, you know, be friends with us and like get to know us. Um, And I think it's great to get plugged in with those communities. Mardella mentioned no hazing. Uh, Alpha Pi Omega is a dry sorority. Uh, Is that something that's important to you? Um, Yes. Um, I know that uh, my my chapter especially, um, we're really big on, you know, preventing that stereotype of the alcoholic native um, and kind of combating that and making sure that we're being as successful as we can be. Um, I haven't experienced hazing. Um, I don't think I, I'm pretty sure none of my sisters have experienced hazing. It's not something that we believe in. It's not who we are. Um, We are constantly trying to uplift each other. I'm getting messages at like multiple times a week of just women that are in our sorority just being like, hey, I see you. I'm proud of you. You're doing great. Um, And so it's really a supportive environment. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Are you able to communicate regularly with with sisters in other chapters at other universities around the country, as well as some of the professional chapters that Mardella talked about? Um, Yeah. So I think being um, a relatively new sorority in the scheme of things um, has 
given us a really unique opportunity um, for like women my age. I get to connect through social media with sisters across the country. And then I also get to be like, oh, that's my sister. Her mom founded our sorority. And so I have like a direct line to like wisdom and love and effort that went into creating the sorority. Um, and I get to see alumni. And it's I feel like with some organizations, that's more of an abstract concept. And for me, that has been like a really concrete experience of I'm getting to speak with these women all across the country, like intergenerationally. Um, and it really does like make me feel really supported. Mardella shared earlier that Alpha Pi Omega doesn't have sorority houses, but is that something that's on, on your radar there at the Theta chapter? Would that be of interest to you at some point to have an actual sorority house where, where you folks would all live together and, and hold events and things like that? Um, I think we are blessed being at Northeastern um, where we're really supported by um, other Native and Indigenous organizations on campus that often like host us in their spaces. Um, our biggest concern with housing has also been like the cost of having to live on campus. Um, you know, Native American students are more likely to be like financially strapped and they're more likely to have to have jobs. Um, and we don't want to feel, we don't want anybody to feel like, oh, if I join that sorority, I have to pay thousands of dollars to go live on their floor for a year um, or like live in their house for a year. And so that's like a stress that I'm really grateful that we haven't had to put on our sisters. And what type of fundraising do you do to uh, to maintain operations there at the Theta Chapter? Um, so we do fry bed sales. We've done concession stands at stickball games. Um, we've sold stickers. Uh, we are working on T-shirt sales right now. Um, we are looking into hosting ribbon skirt workshops. Um, just we try to keep our fundraising ideals um, really Native-centered. Um, we just raffled off um, some amazing beadwork that was donated by some local artists um, to pay for our national conference last summer, um, and that was really successful. We've been really well supported by our communities. Des, tell us more about your role as the historian of Alpha Pi Omega. Yeah, so um, as historian, it is kind of my job to keep the stories of the chapter um, so I keep the history of my line class um, in a like in a scrapbook. I then share that with the national um, historian, and I also have access to the um, stories and histories of all of the classes who have come before us. Um, and so it's really awesome to get to kind of be able to go back and read what some of these sisters experienced and get to hear their stories and see pictures of them crossing over, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and so that's what I do is I am the preserver of those until we get a new historian and then I get to pass them down. Mm. So Greek life uh, on the campus there at uh, Northeastern State University in Tahlequah. And are there other native sororities in addition to Alpha Pi Omega that you're familiar with, either there at Northeastern or anywhere else? Um, I know that they exist in like an abstract concept. Um, but I've never interacted with any, um, and I, I can't tell you the name of any. I think there are a couple of others, um, but I'm not sure where they're located or anything. Okay. Mar Mardella, could, could you add to that? Are you familiar with any other uh, Native sororities on any other campuses in the U.S.? There's another uh, sorority, Sigma Omicron Epsilon, and I interacted with them when I was at UNC Pembroke, uh, 
and actually know some of their sisters and board members um, through Indian Country. And I do know that there's another sorority based out of Oklahoma, but the name I am not able to pull it from my memory right now. Okay, thanks, Mardella. Des, what about the other sororities then on campus? Uh, what's the Theater Chapter's relationship there at Northeastern? Um, we actually um, have, so we kind of revitalized our chapter recently. And so um, we've been working with our um, Greek Life director on campus and some of the heads of Greek Life to kind of um, draw attention to multicultural sororities and fraternities. Um, because there was for a little bit um, this kind of idea that like we weren't a, a real sorority. Um, and so being able to connect with them and like help them grow as, as chapters and help them pour into us as we pour into them um, has been a unique experience that we've gotten to have, but we haven't had, um, there's been no kind of beef or anything. Um, it's just been a lot of learning opportunities and getting to integrate us into um, the, the big Greek life that happens on campus. Des, reflecting back on uh, when you first considered becoming a sorority sister, long before you could sing the Greek alphabet, I imagine, <laughs> how does it compare with, with what you're experiencing now as a sister at Alpha Pi Omega? Um, I think it is, a, I've been a lot more successful than I expected myself to be. Um, Whenever I first considered joining a sorority, um, especially a native sorority, I saw it as like a hangout opportunity. You know, I'm going to get to make friends. I get to spend time with these girls. Um, but it has really evolved into um, I get to spend time with these women who are like keeping me on my game in my education and supporting me through my research and offering me LSAT books as I prepare for my law school entrance exams and checking on me to make sure I'm doing my homework. Um, and so I've really been able to thrive um, as far as my academic career has gone because um, I have sisters there that are there to support me. Is it a big time commitment uh, being historian and some of these other tasks that you're responsible for at the sorority? Um. It's a, it's a moderate time commitment. Um, we have study hours every week that we have to be to, and uh, we have chapter meetings, but we really pride on ourselves on being flexible. Um, so I haven't noticed, like there's never been a time where I have felt constrained in my time in the sorority. Um, and often we, you know, come together for meetings and then our one hour meeting accidentally spills into, you know, a five hour like movie session um, but it's never felt, it's never felt like, oh man, I have to turn down other things because I have a sorority thing. Like, no, it's been, oh, I have an Alpha Pi Omega thing. Um, I can work that around my academic career and uh, my professional career. Now, do sisters have to maintain a minimum GPA or any other academic standards to, to be an Alpha Pi Omega member? Um, yes. So we have to maintain um, a little higher than a C average, um, which for, you know, a lot of students is very obtainable. Um, but also, I feel like we do a really good job of making sure that it, that's an achievable goal. And like if somebody needs tutoring, we connect them with tutoring resources. If they need extra study hours, there's a sister that's bound to be like, okay, I can come sit with you, you know, and make sure you're, we're getting through your homework and helping you understand these assignments. Um, so yes, we have one, but it's not any different than any other organization on campus. Des, for somebody listening to the show today and, and they're just kind of thinking, geez, this sounds interesting. Maybe I should, you know, pledge. I'm not quite sure. What's something they need to consider before joining a sorority? 
Um, I think that the most important factor for joining a sorority is making sure that you pick an organization that makes you feel um, loved and supported and that empowers you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Um, and for me, that was Alpha Pi Omega. Um, and I believe that Alpha Pi Omega can be that for, uh, you know, Native women across the country. Alpha Pi Omega, the first Native American sorority, and we are speaking with two sisters from Alpha Pi Omega, Destiny Hudson in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and Mardella Richardson in Owings Mills, Maryland. And after we come back from break, we're going to speak with Dr. Corey Still, and uh, he is a, a very pivotal figure with a Native fraternity in the state of Oklahoma. So anybody with questions about Greek life today, this is your show, 1-800-996-2848. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one of a kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking with folks from Native American fraternities and sororities today, and we're hearing how they can be a positive experience for Native students. Is the college student in your life part of a college Greek club? There is still time to join our conversation today. 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Give us a call. We'll get your comments on the air. Joining us now from Norman, Oklahoma, is Dr. Corey Still. He's the new member and expansion coordinator for IOTA Gamma. Dr. Still is a citizen of the United Ketua Band of Cherokee Indians. Corey, welcome back to Native America Calling. Thank you so much, Sean. It's always a pleasure to be able to share space with y'all. Always a pleasure to have you on the show as well, Corey. And the University of Oklahoma website describes IOTA Gamma as indigenous gentlemen. Was the fraternity founded at OU? Yeah, so uh, so much like Mardella was talking about with uh, the Sisters of Alpha Pi Omega, we were originally started at the University of Oklahoma in 2004. Um, again, you know, at, at that time we saw a lot of needs, uh, our founders saw a lot of needs with Native men not being able to um, find systems of support within the college and trying to create uh, some type of organization that would be able to not only just support Native men and indigenous, indigenous men to complete their degrees, but also support them academically so they would be able to go um, and impact their communities with, with a greater force. And so we were started there at the University of Oklahoma and have expanded uh, to a number of chapters all throughout Oklahoma and within the Great Plains. And about how many total members are there in IOTA Gamma? Uh, currently, we have um, upwards of about 275 plus. 275. Wow. Now, you're still very actively involved, even though you're no longer uh, a college student. What keeps you engaged there with uh, IOTA Gamma, Corey? Um, for me, it was so uh, <laughs> really... I kind of stumbled upon the organization because I, I never saw myself as someone who was going to be a part of Greek life. 
um, or anything like that until I began my undergraduate journey at the University of Oklahoma. Um, and I came across, then our name was Sigma Nu Alpha Gamma, but we've recently, um, look, looking at our policies and wanting to be more inclusive of not just Native men and Indigenous men, have gone and, and done a name change uh, within the last year. Um, but as I saw Indigenous uh, Iota Gamma and, and what they were about, uh, it really enticed me and really supported me to finish my degree. Um, and so with me, those create uh, relationships that I created, those bonds of brotherhood that I created um, with the older brothers and even with the brothers that were coming in after me really supported me and provided a push for me to finish uh, my graduate degree work. And so now giving back to the organization that really kind of kept me afloat in college and in graduate work um, is something that I really, I'm really passionate about and being able to help the newer brothers come in and navigate those challenges and navigate um, those systems of higher education that, uh, again, as the sisters have already said here, um, a lot of times, you know, these, these students are first-generation college students and they uh, may not have anyone to help them navigate that. So being able to really stay involved, stay active uh, from the government perspective um, and really helping these young men kind of journey through higher education and, and seeing where it goes truly is fulfilling and one of the main reasons why I continue the work I do. Corey, when we think about just the overall Greek system and you know, a lot of presidents of the United States have been fraternity members and just, you know, kind of this uh, old school, some people might call it a good old boy network, but there, you know, a lot of professional advantages from just having those connections with alumni and, and people who are in influential positions. And do you feel that IOTA Gamma has, has helped your career in those regards too with networking and just other little ways that you can just connect with people and get ahead? Um, most definitely. So that, that's one of the things that we talk about is, uh, you know, while we're helping support our brothers go through their undergraduate journey, we're also preparing them and professionalizing them to the real world. Um, and so one of the things that we do is we, we create those connection systems. For me, I had those uh, connection systems with some of the older brothers that were able to uh, help me within the realms of research. And now we see that being um, reciprocated with brothers that I graduated with. Um, you know, roughly about 42% uh, percent of all of our uh, undergraduate brothers directly continue on to a graduate degree program. And so when we think about that, you know, those are either masters or straight terminal law degrees, PhDs, um, any other type of doctorate program. And so we really have over the past probably 10 years been able to build that network of uh, just kind of contacts and colleagues and being able to connect especially some of our younger brothers, uh, you know, we do it all the time. Uh, we have uh, one of my brothers who's a faculty actually in North Carolina in engineering. He has a PhD in engineering, and he volunteers his time to work with some of our engineering students and some of our other chapters to help them uh, find internships, find research opportunities, find research grants. Um, we have brothers who work in um, the IHS system who help uh, not just our brothers, but really any Native students who are wanting to navigate that system and go into that system, brothers who are in finance, brothers who are in law, brothers who are in education. Um, so we really are seeing those kind of professional connections growing as well. What I find so fascinating about our show today, Corey, and listening to you and Mardella and Des is so often when we think of, of what Native students need to get 
through college to succeed. You know, we think so much about the academics. We think about some of the support services that, that are there on campus. But what I'm hearing now is this whole other layer um, with regard to to providing a support system for Native students. And, and like I said earlier, I mean, for, for centuries, you know, non-Native people have been getting ahead um, because of organizations like fraternities and sororities and Greek life. And, and to hear now that, that Native folks like yourselves are, are doing this and taking that initiative and creating these same similar types of, of support mechanisms is just really, really inspiring to learn about. And, and, and moving forward, Corey, do you think that there's uh, more demand and you're, you're going to see continued growth in not only IOTA Gamma or Gamma, but, but other Native fraternities and sororities as well? Most definitely. You know, I think going, first addressing the support question, um, you know, that, that was the entire intention behind what we consider traditional fraternities and sororities. You know, even the most modern traditional fraternities and sororities were initially started as support systems. And so I give a lot of credit um, and respect to those uh, founders of Alpha Pi Omega and Phi Sigma Nu who came together in the early 90s to create the first Native sorority and Native fraternity. Um, Because what they did was really lay the groundwork for what we call now the historic Native American fraternities and sororities. And so, you know, as we talk about, you know, what's the growth look like? What is this? Uh, kind of want to come into. So since the founding of those first two, there are now um, eight distinct organizations that fall under the classification of historic Native American fraternity and sororities. And so all of those organizations are going and um, creating those systems of support and those communities of support for their members. And I think it's something that's going to continue to grow um, as we as we become more well known, in, especially in higher education. Um, you just not even a, not even within this last year, we were doing. I was uh, able to be a part of a panel over fraternities and sororities in general. And when it was introduced that I was a part of a, a native fraternity, um, so many questions like we didn't even know these existed. We didn't even know this was possible. Um, where you know now we're going into 20 plus years of historic native fraternities and sororities being in existence. There's still this push of uh, getting recognition, of getting um, understanding within the larger context of higher education. So I think as that continues to push forward and as um, researchers like Dr. Stephanie Oxendine, Dr. Derek Oxendine, Dr. Uh, Natalie Youngbull, Dr. Robin Menthor, and myself, and up-and-coming graduate students like James David Wagnon, who are beginning to look at um, how these organizations support Native students as, as this research and this story is being untold, I definitely think that there's going to be a larger uh, a push for understanding and a push for uh, incorporating these types of organizations on college campuses. Now, Corey, that's great to hear. But I'm also curious, do you get uh, ever pushback from Native folks that, that might say, well, you know, the fraternities and sororities, you know, they're really founded on these these principles of, of privilege and elitism. And, um, you know, there's there's been some horrible incidents with with fraternities over the years in terms of discrimination and things like that and do you ever get folks that say hey you know native people really shouldn't be involved in in greek life and things like that what's your response to that oh most definitely um and i i again i go back to my own undergraduate uh kind of days and that was me <laughs> um uh-huh. you know i understanding you know what traditional fraternities and sororities are portrayed in modern media and, and what they are in higher education. Um, 
I, I never thought I would join kind of that kind of aspect of an organization. Uh, but one of the things I tell people is when you look at the foundation of the majority of the historic Native American fraternities and sororities um, currently active today, we are foundations, especially Iota Gammas. Um, you know, I can talk about ours intimately. Um, our foundation is not like other organizations. Our organizational culture is not like traditional fraternities and sororities. Um, you know, we are very community oriented um, and not necessarily privilege based. Uh, you know, if, if you go into any of our chapters or any of our meetings, um, there isn't a hierarchy. There isn't this idea of, oh, well, one brother is higher than you. Um, regardless of your level, regardless of your position, when, you know, once you're considered a brother, you're at the same level as a national governance board member or a founder or anything like that. There's this idea of equity and equality um, and really a push for community community service and cultural understanding. Um, so when we talk about, you know, I, I know we briefly talked about hazing and things like this and how these kind of uh, discriminatory factors that are often seen in fraternity and sorority life, um, how that plays a part with, within Native fraternities and sororities. Um, kind of our motto, and I think this is a motto that I've seen um, across a number of uh, historic Native fraternities and sororities is, you know, we're not going to have you do anything. We're not going to do right there with you. Um, you know, we're, we talk about creating intentional bonds and intentional relationships um, that are truly meaningful and supportive, not just in the, not just in the academy, but within your life. And um, sometimes, you know, that's, we, there, there are certain aspects that we have to follow in order for us to be recognized on campus that fall in those uh, traditional fraternity and sorority kind of mentalities and models, but oftentimes, um, at least for Iota Gamma, we have found ways to take those and kind of indigenize them and make them, make them our own and kind of rewrite them from a traditional or an indigenous perspective. Well, Corey, anybody who might have seen that old movie from the 1970s, Animal House, and just the antics of, of a wild fraternity back in the day, what you're describing today sounds a lot different. It, it definitely is a lot different. Um, you know, again, just like Alpha Pi Omega, we, that, that's you know, one of the one questions I get as I, uh, I, I work specifically with an expansion and with uh, educating our new members is, oh, well, do you all throw parties? Like, no, nah, we're, we're a drive fraternity, which means we don't. Um, none of our events ever have alcohol at them. Any of our official events never have any type of alcohol at them. We don't endorse that. We don't do anything like that. Um, uh, which, again, is a stark comparison to when we think of traditional fraternity and sorority life. Well, just thinking beyond uh, Iota Gamma, just overall Greek life, I mean, do you see that as part of the role of Iota Gamma to kind of um, to redefine what it means to, to be a fraternity in the year 2023 and, and promote some of these more positive attributes just across the Greek system at large? Um, I, I definitely see it as a role, but again, our primary role is to ensure the support um, and the academic completion of, of Indigenous men um, and of Indigenous people in general. Mm -hmm. um, so while I, I think that is a goal um, that will come out of the things that we do as a collective, that's not our primary goal. 
you know, our primary goal is to create those systems of support and to foster that um, that system that system of persistence for those students to obtain their degrees. Corey, you shared earlier most of the chapters of IOTA Gamma are in Oklahoma, and then there are some in the in the Great Plains area, I believe. Uh, is it hard to start a chapter, and is IOTA Gamma looking to recruit additional chapters in other parts of Native America? Oh, yeah, no. Um, we're always open to starting new chapters. Um, so there, it's, it's really kind of a two-part process. So it's really we, if there's a, a group of young men or um, those who work in student support who say, hey, you know, we really think this is needed, then we'll have those initial calls, and then we'll look at the um, – the feasibility of us starting a chapter there and meeting with students and things like this, um, and then also work with that institution's uh, kind of protocol for bringing on new Greek-lettered Greek organizations. So each university um, really is a little bit different uh, in how they kind of accept new members. Um, sometimes it could be as simply as, oh, yeah, go ahead and come and start. Um, sometimes it could be more of this is our year-long process of you getting recognized on campus. Um, so when we, when we talk about the difficulty or the level of difficulty of starting a campus, it really kind of depends on the interest there on campus and then the institutional policy of how they bring in Greek-lettered organizations. Well, it sounds like then if the support is there, a person could open or a group of people could open a chapter of Iota Gamma pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, if, 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 there's, if, there's, some, if there's support there and there's um, you know, we we kind of look through and talk with community members and we talk with support, you know, talk with the, the students and talk with uh, those that are going to be advising and working with the potential chapter. Um, it is something that, you know, could could happen fairly quickly. Corey, we're going to have to wrap up here in about another minute, but I want to ask you any advice for anybody listening today on, on just how to know if a Greek club is a right fit for you? Um. So one of the things I always tell, you know, our, our guys as they're starting their processes is you need to make sure that these guys, these, either the guys or the young women that you are starting this process with are people that you see yourself um, having dinner and lunch with in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, or the people that you see yourself um, really making connections because that really, in, in essence, is that's what that support system is. Alrighty. It's making these lifelong relationships. And if there's hesitation in that, then, um, you know, that we understand fraternity and sorority life is not for everyone. Okay. But Well, Court, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to wrap up the show now, but really appreciate you as well as Mardella and Destiny for joining our show today. A really, really insightful discussion on college life and Native fraternities and sororities. Join us again tomorrow for discussion about taking control of the value of Native arts and crafts. I'm Sean Spruce. Close to half of American adults have high blood pressure. Of those, about 75% don't have it controlled. Chief Medical Officer at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital, Dr. Luke John Day. Have your blood pressure measured yearly by a healthcare professional and regularly monitor it at home. The American Heart Association has developed the Get Down With Your Blood Pressure campaign using music and dance. Learn more at heart.org slash HBP control. They support this show. Hey, 
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.